0: Welcome to Leading Lights. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. My name is Rob. Uh, I lead River Church, which is a church in St. Neots, Cambridgeshire. And we are currently planting another congregation of our church in another town uh, close by us. And um, so we've been one church meeting in two locations for a couple of months now. And uh, God is doing great things. He really is. And it's good to be back here and to see all that God is doing at, at the Lighthouse and, uh, and to be a part of the launch of the Leading Lights Network and uh, very, very exciting days ahead. Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into your heart all that God has prepared for you. And, uh, but the Bible then continues. It says, But He will reveal these things to us by His Spirit. And uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. And then he continues, he says, And you will find this as you seek for me with all your heart. And I think this weekend, as we seek the Lord, as we come together to worship Him, to pray, to hear His word, to dream together, and to see this this project launched, I believe it will be a tool that God can use to do great things. In the nations. Uh, would you turn with me in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 4. And as you are finding uh, John chapter 4, I'd like to just share a couple of thoughts uh, about God's heart for the nations. From Genesis to Revelations, we see God's heart for the nations. In Genesis 12 and verse 3, he says, through all nations, you will be blessed. Or all nations through you will be blessed. He's talking about Abraham, and we as the church are, uh, are, are those who by faith are heirs of the promises made to Abraham. Through you all nations will be blessed. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, we look forward to multitudes from every nation, every tribe, every people and language worshiping before the throne. That is going to be an awesome time as we see uh, from every tribe, every nation, every people, every tongue coming and singing, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb who sits upon the throne. You and I are called in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, to be a house of prayer. And we're encouraged in Psalm 2, verse 8, to ask for the nations as our inheritance and the ends of the earth as our possession. Jesus has commissioned us, His church, His people, in Matthew chapter 28, to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. And in Matthew 24, to preach the good news to all nations before He returns. Can you hear God's heart for the nations? Jesus' last words before He ascended into heaven as our risen Savior are recorded in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now I want you to notice in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it doesn't say the word then, it says the word and. He doesn't say that this is something that's going to be progressive, in the sense that you're going to reach Jersey first, and then once you've reached Jerusalem, the Isle of Jersey, then you're going to begin to reach out to other places beyond Jersey. But it's the word and, and in the original language it's in the continual present tense, which means this, it means that while you are reaching out in Jersey, you will also be reaching out in the region around you and even to the ends of the earth. And we often say, well, how is it practical for us to do that? Well, certainly we can do that through prayer. Certainly we can do that by sending people, but in today's world with the technology that's available to us, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to empower this tool, this website, this vision, and use this to be a witness for Him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and empowering His people in the nations to be a witness for Him. That's what God wants to do, and He wants to do it for Jesus. As we heard earlier, the church is not a building. The church is not a meeting. The church is not an organization. The church is God's people who've been called out to serve his purpose. The church is a people who've been called out of the world to worship God and sent back into the world to witness and serve. Another thing we see about the nations is in Acts chapter 17. Where we discover that from one man, God made every nation. And he determined their times and the exact places that they live, So that they would find him. And people could seek him. And where you live is not by chance, but by divine design. You live where you live because God has placed you there. And, uh, and God wants us, wherever we are, to be a light. To let our light shine as stars in the, in the heavens. So that when, and He wants all those stars to be connected so that there can be support and so that a great light can shine out. Where darkness has come upon people, God wants His light to arise and shine. And He wants to do that through us, His church. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity to see that take place in our generation. Someone once said, if you want to discover what God's will is for your life, discover what God's will is and throw yourself into that. And it's God's will that no one perish but all come to everlasting life. It's God's will that all hear the good news. It's God's will that His people go and disciple the nations. So in a summary, very quickly, God's heart for the church, for His people, is to be a blessing to the nations. God's heart is for His people... To be a people from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, worshipping before His throne. God's heart is that we go and make disciples of the nations. God's heart is that we ask Him in prayer for the nations as our inheritance. And God's will is for us each to be a leading light for Jesus. Is that what God wants for you? Well, I believe it is. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Now, in John chapter 4, and I hope you found John chapter 4, we're going to be looking at the woman at the well and her encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll see that this woman's encounter with Jesus changed her life and changed the place that she lived. I'm not going to read the whole passage, and I encourage you to do that in your own time because uh, if you started in about verse 6 all the way through to the end of the chapter, you'll get the full picture of what took place in this encounter with Jesus. In John chapter 4 and verse 6 to verse 7, we see Jesus was relaxing at a well when a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus asked her for a drink. It's almost like he was hanging out at the coffee shop or at the gym. And this encounter changed her life. And God wants to use ordinary encounters in our lives in extraordinary ways. He wants wants to turn appointments into divine appointments. And people's disappointments into his appointments. He wants to bring change in people's lives. As a result of this encounter, her life changes, and she influences the people in her town for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like to share five things with you from this passage today. The first I'd like to share with you, we see in verse 9, and verse 16 through to verse 19. And my first thought is this, that Jesus is for all people. Let's have a look in verse 9. It says in verse 9, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Then down to verse 16. We'll just stop right there. We'll just stop right there for the moment. First of all, she was a Samaritan woman. Now, in our culture, we might say, Well, in our, our generation, we might say, Well, you know, what's the big deal with that? But she was a Samaritan, and Samaritans and Jews didn't have much to do with each other. In fact, when Jesus' disciples came back and saw that he was talking to the Samaritan woman, he, they, they were surprised. At that. And the reason they were surprised is because as a Samaritan, she would have been marginalized. And as a woman, she would have been marginalized in the society of the day. And let's go down and have a look at verse 16 now. Verse 16, it says, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man that you have now is... Is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Jesus had a word of knowledge. He knew something about her life. And she was a woman who had broken relationships. She was not only marginalized, but she had made mistakes in her life, and her life was a little bit messed up. And what I want to share with you today is that Jesus will use people and minister to people who perhaps are on the outskirts of society, perhaps are not the people that you and I would choose, but people that he wants to use. Even people who have broken relationships, whose lives have been a little bit messed up. He still wants to use those people today. Jesus does not, does not only call the qualified, but he qualifies those he calls. He likes to take our mess and use us to bring a message to the world around us. He wants to change people's lives and use them as leading lights. Now Jesus would often uh, do things that, that just weren't, weren't, didn't fit in with the religious establishment of the day. For example, Jesus ministered to and used as an example the Samaritans. We see here the woman at the well was a Samaritan woman that Jesus ministered to and ministered to her town through her. The hero of the parable of the good Samaritan obviously was a Samaritan who was an outsider. But Jesus used him as the hero of that parable. The only leper to come back and thank Jesus for His healing and was made whole in Luke chapter 17 was a Samaritan. And we see that the Great Commission, as recorded in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, includes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God's design and desire is to reach all people and to use People To put people's lives back together and to use them for His purpose. Now you might be watching this today or listening to me today and say, Can God use me? I haven't got it all together. I've made mistakes. But we have a great Redeemer. A great Redeemer who can buy us back and redeem us and use us and put us back together and use us for His purpose. The second thing I want to share with you is that only Jesus can quench the thirst in the human heart. Let's look at verse 10, verse 13, and then at verse 23 and 24. In verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. Get on to verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's talking about a quench, quenching a thirst in the human heart that only he can quench. Now there's a difference between natural water, as Jesus describes here, this natural water that came out of the well, and living water. Natural water is temporary. And it's it's external. But living water is eternal and it's internal. It wells up and it quenches a thirst in the human heart. He, Jesus, is that living water. He can give us that living water. In John chapter 7, he says, Come to me, all who are thirsty, and drink. And he wants to quench that thirst in our lives. Any solution outside of a relationship with Jesus is only temporary or void. People can do drugs, they can get involved in things to to give them satisfaction, but that satisfaction will run out very quickly. But Jesus brings lasting satisfaction. Billy Graham said, within every man's heart is a God-shaped vacuum, and we try and fill that void with all sorts of things, but only Jesus can bring lasting satisfaction satisfaction, and change in our lives. And we are able to drink of this living water in our relationship with God, in worship and in spirit and in truth. And God wants every single believer to be involved in a community where they are able to worship together, where they're able to, to partake of the truth together, to be able to discuss God's Word and to hear God's Word. And this is what this network is out to do. To make this living water available where it is so needed. To bring oases of life in a troubled world. The third thought is that Jesus reveals himself to people. We see in verse 25 and verse 26, and let's just read that together. The woman says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. It's amazing. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming and one day he'll tell us what's going on. He'll give us perspective. He'll answer our questions. And then Jesus said, I, the one talking to you, I am he. We live in a generation where God is revealing himself to people. The Son of God, Jesus, is revealing himself to people in many different ways. I've heard about people who have dreams. And in their dreams, Jesus comes and and says, I'm the Son of God, and and shares life with them. And then people go to churches because they've, they've had a dream. I know of churches in various parts of the world that have put on their websites, have you had a dream about Jesus? And many of the visitors they have that come into those churches travel a long distance to come because they had a dream, and that dream led them to Jesus. Now the invisible God makes himself visible to us in many different ways. First of all, through his creation. The Bible says creation itself reveals God. When you see God's creation, you can see something of His handiwork. The sun, the moon, the stars, even the human body reveal something of God's character and nature. The second way God reveals Himself to us is through His Son, Jesus. And, uh, and the Bible says that He is the exact representation of God. That when we see Him, we see what God is like. Jesus said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. So the Son of God reveals who God is and what He is like, His nature and His character. And He reveals God to us through His words and through His works. The third way that the invisible God makes Himself visible to us is through His people. The Bible says no one has seen God, but when they come and they see the love of God, they'll know that we are Christians by our love for one another. And God wants us as Christians To walk in love with one another, to walk in forgiveness towards one another, and through that He wants to reveal Himself to the world around us. And I believe that God wants to do that in every single community, in every village, in every town, in every city. God wants there to be a community of believers that are a witness for Him to that community. And this is a great opportunity to see those started worldwide without the limitations of saying we don't have a pastor, we don't have somebody to lead us, for people to connect in and to be a part of this, for them to come and have Jesus revealed to them. You know, the enemy's strategy is often to distort what Jesus is like. And I think that we need to see uh, people exposed to who Jesus really is, to His love, to His grace, to His mercy to His plan for their lives. Fourth thought I have for us this evening is that when we really encounter Jesus, we will tell others about Him. When our lives are impacted by Him, something in us changes and we want to be used by Him. Now, I was just thinking uh, as I was praying for this weekend about Paul the Apostle. When he was Saul on the Damascus road, he encountered Jesus. There was a bright light. He fell to the ground and he asked two questions. And these two questions are so important in our lives. The first question he asked was this Who are you, Lord? And the Bible says that Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You know, when people persecute Christians, Jesus takes it personally. And he says, I'm Jesus. Whom you persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. And at that point, that's when Paul gave his life to Jesus. His life was transformed. It says a little bit later he was baptized and uh, he received the Holy Spirit. The second question he asked on the Damascus road was this. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And you know, God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. I've said earlier that there's a vacuum inside of people, a a God-shaped vacuum, and it can only be filled by a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But when you give your life to Jesus, there's another vacuum that opens up. And that's the the service vacuum. That's the purpose vacuum. Now, when we read the book of Acts, if you go to Acts chapter 26, you'll read that uh, when, when Paul is giving his testimony... He says this, he gives an answer to what Jesus said to him. That's not recorded in Acts chapter 9. And he says, I have appeared to you, the Lord says, for this purpose. To make you a light to the Gentiles. To send you out. To turn people from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And that's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to use every single one of us to send us out. As bearers of the light, to be the light of the world, to be a city set on a hill, to be salt and light. He's called the church to be those who worship Him, but then also go out and witness and serve and make a difference in the world around us. Now let's have a look at what happened with this woman. And let's first of all read verse 28 to 30, and then I'm going to read from verse 39 to 41. Verse 28... 2 verse 30. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now there's two ways that we can be a witness for Christ. The first is to go and tell and the second that we see in the, in the Gospels is to say to people, come and see. Go and tell, come and see. And now she goes and she tells her town, and then she says to them, come and see a man. Come along. And you know, one thing that we need to do is we need to invite people to come and see. Come and experience. Come and see what God has done. Come and experience what God has done in my life and We want you to experience that too. Let's go down now to verse 39 to verse 41. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Your testimony, your story of what God has done in your life is one of those powerful things that you can share with anybody else. To share with them how Jesus has impacted Your life. Then verse 40 and 41. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days with them. And because of his words, many more became believers. When we encounter Jesus, when we really encounter Jesus and he changes us, he wants to use us as his hands, as his feet as his mouthpiece to go and share the good news and demonstrate the gospel with others. In John chapter 20, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. We are his hands. In a small village in France, they had a statue of Jesus in the square. And during the Second World War, it was bombed, And the statue fell and its hands were broken off. They lifted the statue to its feet once again, and a man asked, What good is our Christ with no hands? Another man set the statue on a new base with a plaque which read, We are his hands. Many years later, a poet visited and was inspired to write these words. I have no hands but your hands to do my work today. I have no feet but your feet to lead men on the way. I have no voice but your voice to tell men why I died. I have no help but your help to bring men to my side. And if you've encountered Jesus, if Jesus has changed your life, if you've seen the light as Paul saw the light, then something in you will rise up and you will say, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? And instead of saying, Lord, what what is your plan for my life? Find out what God's plan is and invest your life in that. And His plan is is that we go into all the world and make disciples. And what's so exciting about this project, the Leading Light Network, is that it gives you the tools as an ordinary person to be able to go out and make a difference. To take this good news and to go and make disciples. To share, to give you a, the opportunity to go and change people's lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a part of the solution. And my final thought is in verse 42. And here we see that Jesus wants each of us to have an individual and personal relationship with him. In John chapter 4, verse 42, first of all, in verse 41, it says, Because of his words, many more became believers. And then in verse 42, they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. We now have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. And I think we need to understand that what Jesus wants He wants us as believers to have a relationship with Him directly. Not through some some clergy or through some other person. God brings leaders into our lives to lead us, but not to become a mediator between us and God. He wants every single one of us to be in a place where we discover how to hear His voice. We, We discover how to pray for the sick and see them recovered where we discover how to, how, to, uh, how to read our own Bibles, how we begin to grow in our relationship with God. And the purpose of leadership in the church is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And I think it's so exciting that, that this project that's being put together by this local church in Jersey is going to enable people in remote places, in villages, in remote places in my country, England. You know, when I've driven through the United Kingdom, you drive through village and town and you realize that these are whole communities with homes, village halls, some seating, maybe 20 or 30 in a village hall. And you say, how can we make a difference in this community? Well, now we have a tool. That all it takes is one or two believers to gather together in His name and to have Jesus in their midst and then to be able to go and tell others and then say to them, come and see and bring them in and to begin to form a community within that community that can be salt and light and a city set on a hill. Amen. Our son, who uh, is 21 years old now, has just, is just graduating from university. And uh, he was studying English and Spanish. He spent a year in Spain. And during his year in Spain, he started to ask the Lord, Lord, you brought me here, not just to study, but I know that you've determined the times and seasons that I'm here. And uh, as a result, he started a prayer meeting and a Bible study. And they would meet in a bar. And they would get together regularly with international students. And over that couple of months that he was there, that group grew from two or three to about twenty-five meeting together regularly, praying together, and going out and sharing the love of Jesus in that community. As a result of that, those students have, gone now, have now gone back to various parts of the world. And uh, there are a couple of students who've gone back to Brazil. Others have gone back to Mexico. Some have gone back to South Korea. And they have then started other groups doing a similar thing. And you begin to see the potential of this. You begin to see the potential of being able to take a resource like this and to be able to send it out into the nations as a gift so that people in settings like that, students, can start things in universities. People can start things in schools. All you need is a screen and a a video uh, player, a DVD player, or, or, or access to the Internet, and you can begin to be a part of making Disciples of the nations. And today we're launching something. And it's a great privilege to be here. And to see a group of people who God has spoken to clearly, given them a dream, and they're pursuing that dream. I want to say that one day, when we stand before the throne, and we sing together, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Salvation belongs to our God, and to His Lamb, who sits upon the throne. That there will be people from every people group, from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. And many of those people will be there because of what we started today. Amen. Isn't that going to be awesome? That, that, that they'll say, maybe they won't know that you were here, but for the glory of our God and His Son, for the King and the Kingdom, we'll see people's lives changed forever. Hallelujah. I'm going to close... By just saying this. If you are listening. If you're here today. Or you're watching today. And, uh, and you've been brought by somebody else. Who's told you about Jesus. Today I want to say that Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. He doesn't just want your relationship to be based on somebody else's faith. Not on the faith of your parents. Not on the faith of your your pastor, not in the faith of a friend, but for you to have a personal, individual relationship with Jesus. Were you like the people in that Samaritan town can say, we no longer just believe because of what you have said. We've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Let's bow our heads and let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you want to have a relationship with every individual. And you have a wonderful plan for every person's life. Today, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I make a decision today to surrender my life to you. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. I choose to turn from sin and to follow you, Jesus. Please forgive me. I give my life to you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to leadinglightsnetwork.com.